Today's verse comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are in Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The word of God. So last week, I wasn't at church here, and the reason was, uh, the week before, I was at camp uh, with middle schoolers and high schoolers, uh, and I was at this, this certain camp, it was up off of Highway 88, uh, up by like Ham Station, if you know where that is, um, and this camp is called Pi Pi Camp, it's been going on since the 1940s, um, and it is fully outdoors. So there, there's no like cabins, and then you say, what about tents? No, there's no tents. <laughs> there's no cabins, there's no tents. Uh, I, I was just outside with the students, and you're just sleeping like on a cot out in the woods at, at about 5,000 foot elevation. We all kind of know what that means. Um, uh, with the bugs and the mosquitoes and the whole deal. And believe it or not, with all that dust and with all that outside, I had kind of a cough when I came home. Uh, and, and actually, I, I mean... I'll just tell you, I, I mean, I did like the whole at-home COVID test thing. That was all good. But I'm like, I'm not showing up to church like hacking a lung. Uh, everyone's going to be like staring at me like, oh, he was with kids all week and now he's coughing uh, by us. And, and Cecile uh, was preaching anyway. So, um, But anyway, it was just a wonderful time at camp. Uh, there was about uh, 75 to 80 uh, middle schoolers and, and high schoolers. I keep going like middle school and high school. Uh, and that was about right, because it was fifth and sixth grade were the youngest, and then all the way up to high school seniors. Um, really fun. Um, I got to hang out with the fifth and sixth grade boys, which uh, is everyone's favorite, right? I mean, fifth and sixth grade boys are full of energy. They're full of fun, and you put them outside in the woods with no walls and, and plenty of dirt uh, and everything else, and it was just, it really was a fun time, and um, I, was the, I was the guest speaker for the week. Uh, so each night we had uh, a time where we'd gather together, uh, and I would, uh, after, after some worship, then I would teach on our theme, which was Christmas in July. Uh, so we kind of walked through the Christmas story. Uh, that was pretty fun, and uh, it came to Thursday. Thursday was the big night. So Thursday was the night it had been all leading up to, and this was the night uh, where the, the gospel itself was going to be presented. Where I was going to talk about Jesus as, as Lord, Jesus as Savior, uh, and then we, we do a time where we actually invite uh, young people forward if they want to do one of two things, if they want to make a first-time uh, commitment of faith or if they want to kind of renew a commitment of faith that they've already made uh, in their lives. And, um, and I could just feel that there's many, many people praying about this time. Uh, it was just going... Well, and it got to the time to actually present that, and, and I invited forward the, the camp counselors and other adults that, uh, that were kind of forward, so when the, when the students came forward, they could go to someone they were comfortable with, uh, you know, to pray, and uh, so they were all forward, and then it came time for students to come up, and there's about 70 to 80 at the camp, and over 40 uh, came forward to do one of those things, which just, praise Jesus, it was just uh, a beautiful time, and and out of those 40, uh, there was actually 17 
that made first-time commitments of faith. So a week ago, Thursday, if you felt like a little rumble in the force uh, going on, that, that what was going on. God was at work uh, at this camp, and there was, uh, yeah, 17 first-time commitments, and, and that's not to uh, diminish the ones that are renewing a commitment. We know how important that is. Uh, in the lives of young people, and just, just a beautiful time. And, uh, and the reason we did it Thursday was because then Friday, for anyone whose parents signed off that it was okay, um, we have baptisms that, that we can do. And it's out at this pond that, I kid you not, the pond is like maybe twice the size of the sanctuary, uh, and as green as can be. Uh, and it's a camp. I mean, they're, they're like legal, so they test the water, they go in and the, the, whatever service says, yes, you can swim there, uh, but it's pretty green. Uh, so we uh, went into that and had six baptisms uh, of students, and, and almost all of them were first-time commitment of faith uh, kind of thing. So I am just riding this baptism uh, high, I guess, uh, right into today, really fun uh, as I mentioned before, we're going to baptisms after the service today, 1 p.m., uh, out at White Pines, and, and I thought today would be a good day to just kind of focus on what is baptism. Uh, what is this thing? You know, if you, if you grew up in the church, maybe this is really uh, kind of normal to you, stuff that you've always known, but if, uh, if you didn't, or maybe you just grew up in a church that kind of taught this different than, uh, than we do, then I think this is really good stuff to, to go over. So... Um, we are a part of a denomination called the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, there are uh, about a thousand Evangelical Covenant churches uh, around the U.S. and Canada. Uh, we, the, the taglines, we like to say, we're kind of a small, obscure denomination uh, that tries to fight above its weight class <laughs> when it comes to things like missions, when it comes to things like, uh, like reaching the lost. And uh, I, I think that's pretty true. Calaveras County is bizarre in that we have five covenant churches in Calaveras County. And that goes back to some of the early uh, gold mining days some, um, and, and later some of the earlier logging days. Uh, and there was just a really active effort to uh, go to you know, these hills and teach those people about Jesus. Uh, so there's uh, a number of covenant churches right here, but that's really rare across the U.S. So... Um, there's, of course, uh, Chapel in the Pines here. There's Grace Hills, which is an angel's camp. Uh, San Andreas has one called Community Covenant Church, uh, right by Wells Fargo as you're driving through. Um, Valley Springs has Good Samaritan Covenant Church, and then there's one in West Point uh, also. And there, there used to be, uh, not too many years ago, one in Murphy's. Um, so we live in this, this interesting place, but in the Covenant Church, we use the, the language of a sacrament, uh, so baptism is a sacrament. Uh, we have two, as, as most Protestant churches do, uh, Holy Communion and baptism. Now, if you grew up Catholic, or you're more familiar with that, there's, there's kind of more sacraments uh, in Catholicism. Uh, but we kind of follow two of them, Holy Communion and baptism. And the reason being is that these are things that Jesus directly told us to do. That, that's what a sacrament is. So when we look to Scripture, we can quote Bible verses to say, Jesus told us, that we should be taking communion, that we should be doing that. Um, Jesus told us that we should be baptizing, uh, that we should do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus told us that these are things that, that we should do. And not only that, Jesus actually, in that, told us that he would meet us there. 
that when we do these things, uh, that God will be with us. And now that kind of sounds like a small thing, but, but let's just do the train of thought for a second here. Does Jesus lie? Anyone? This is deep theology. I know. Is Jesus a liar? Anyone? No, Jesus does not. So when Jesus tells you, when you take communion or, or when you do baptism, that he will meet you there, can you trust that? You absolutely can. And that, that's what a sacrament really means. It means that Jesus said that, that his grace would be present in this. Now, this is different than, than the grace we talk about when we talk about saving grace or, or, or kind of a once and for all grace. But Jesus does promise, even in these things, while, while they're not going to save us, they're not going to be like, oh, I took communion, therefore I'm going to go to heaven. You know, it's not that kind of arrangement. But Jesus does say he's going to meet you there. And I can think of how, uh, so many times in my own life where uh, I've maybe felt a little farther away from God and I come forward in communion and I participate and then there is this sense of like, God was there. God, God was in that. And, and I don't think it's just simply because I got up and I walked forward, right? God promises to be with us in these things. And the language that's been used for many, many years uh, to refer to these sacraments is that they are an outward sign uh, meaning something we can see, something tangible. It's an outward sign of an inward and invisible grace. So, so baptism is the same. It's this outward sign, that, but actually something is going on inside. Something uh, really significant is happening. So baptism, just, just in short, is the sacrament that we uh, do as the church that uh, involves water and it either involves uh, submerging someone in water or in some churches sprinkling uh, someone with water or, or scooping and pouring on, or, you know, these kind of uh, things. And, and what's actually being displayed there, you know, we're kind of peeling back the curtain here for a second. What's actually being displayed is that this water represents the grave. It's, it's not, not supposed to be super dark, but it is, it is serious. This water is the grave, and, and as someone submerges into the, into the water, they're actually entering the grave, and they come out. So they are dying to their old selves as they enter it, and they're coming out uh, as Jesus was resurrected from the grave, right? So in his death, uh, we die, and we are raised again in Christ as we come forward. It's this beautiful thing, but it's this heavy Imagery, really, when you, when you think about it, that, that you are submerging into a watery grave, really, and coming back out. Baptism is not, uh, as I said earlier in the service, this, this act that's supposed to be done alone. Uh, it's supposed to be done in community. It's this, this way that we can show that, that our faith in Christ is, is real, that we've been following him. It, it points uh, towards another event in our own lives that we can say, uh, God has been with me, uh, whether it was for uh, a day, like the, some of the kids at camp, <laughs> uh, or it's for many, many years, but it's an, an event that points uh, towards something else. But it's meant to be done in community. Uh, in, in a couple ways, it's meant to be done in community in that it's public. Uh, we don't hide away and do baptisms. Now, if there's people around the world that need to do that because of their own safety, that's not an issue. You know, that's not like a theological problem. Oh, they need to go do it at some public beach. Uh, otherwise, 
uh, it doesn't count. You know, that would be, that would be silly, but, um, but it is meant to be this public confession. We're not supposed to follow Jesus and have that be our own secret little thing uh, in our own lives. It's supposed to be who we are. We're supposed to be transparent to the world around us, but it also is supposed to be done with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have other believers that gather around us, uh, and actually there's a part of it when we do the service later that the other believers that are gathered are also asked a question. You know, there's a series of questions. They're, they're fairly simple. It's a little wedding-like. You know, I ask something, they say I do. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, back and forth, right? Uh, and then there's a time that, that uh, Cecile will actually do it for us later, but she'll turn to everyone gathered and say, now people of God, do you promise to walk with these? who are being baptized? Do you promise to, to journey alongside them as they journey with Christ? Uh, and everyone answers, with God's help, we will. Uh, and it's this beautiful moment where, where it's not just one person you know, doing this act, it's actually a community uh, that is there. As we look at Scripture, um, there's actually a couple times in the New Testament where we see baptism really regularly. Um, and I find this super fascinating, so hopefully you find it interesting. But we see two baptisms. We see uh, John the Baptist doing baptisms, and then we see uh, the disciples later on through, through the commands of Jesus that are baptizing people, and they are very, very similar, uh, but they're actually slightly different. Uh, there's a little bit of a difference going on. I think it's helpful to look at. So John the Baptist first, his role is to prepare the people for the coming Lord, which we know to be Jesus. So he's preparing uh, God's people. He's preparing a way for the Lord, is the, the language Scripture uses. Uh, he's saying God's kingdom is drawing near, and we need to get ready. We need to get ready as God's people because we don't want to be caught unaware. And, and in his setting, he calls uh, people that are already, already following after God, he calls them out to the Jordan River. Uh, and at the Jordan River, he starts to tell them about their own history. Uh, it's like their own origin story uh, kind of thing. So the, so the people of God were uh, in slavery in Egypt, and, and God draws them out of that and, and brings them through. And it's actually through the Jordan River, one generation later, that they entered the promised land in the first place. So they went through the rivers, and then they entered, and they, they made a, a covenant with God. They made a a uh, contract with God, a, a deal with God. And they said, we're going to act this certain way and we're going to be your people uh, and we're going to follow after you. And, and they entered through the waters and they entered the land that was promised to them. It's this beautiful imagery. So what John is doing is he's brought them back to that same water because they haven't been living up to their end of the deal. Generation after generation after generation, uh, they have turned from God they have not been following God's law. Uh, their hearts are far from him. So, so John is like, you are not ready. Basically, you're not ready for Jesus to come. You don't be caught unaware. So John calls them out to the Jordan River. And at the Jordan River, he says, we're going to re-enter this water. And then we're going to re-enter into the promised land as new people. As, as people that have turned back to God. That's what this, this church word repentance means. It means you've turned from your old ways and you've turned back to God. We're going to re-enter uh, back into the Holy Land. And, and it's a really important baptism, but, but John's baptism always looks forward 
to the coming of the Messiah. In, in its very nature, it's incomplete. It's, it's supposed to be incomplete. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not wrong in its incompleteness, but, but it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to look forward. It's about preparation. It's about getting ready for God. It's about getting ready for Jesus. And, and then Jesus comes on the scene. Right? He's baptized by John, and, and in his baptism, he's baptized uh, both with the water and we're told that the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus in the form of a dove. So really, he's, he's baptized twice, <laughs> kind of. Uh, it's one baptism, but, you know, but he, gets, he gets the water part, but he gets the Holy Spirit that comes down on him. It says it anoints him, which is what this word Messiah means, anointed one. Of course, the story goes on through the Gospels, and, and we know of, of Good Friday, we know of the cross when Jesus dies uh, for, for the, uh, all of our sins and, and, the, and the, how that crushed the disciples and how they waited uh, for days not knowing what their future would look like. And then, and then Easter morning, the grave is empty. Jesus comes back. It's this, this glorious time. But, but part of what we skip over as the church sometimes is that Jesus doesn't just go away right away. So he comes back on Easter. It's not like they see him once and then he's gone. We're actually told in, in Scripture that he comes back many, many times to many people. He journeys with them. He is with, it's like 40 days that, that he stays with them after he comes back after Easter. And then finally, he does ascend uh, to heaven. We're told he, he, gathers, he goes up into the clouds to be seated at the right hand of the Father. But right before that happens, he gives a command to his church. He gives a command to his people. We call it the Great Commission. This is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a beautiful command, but we have a role to play. If I was Jesus, just being honest, if I was Jesus, I don't know if I would have done it this way. Because like he, he leaves, and he kind of leaves it to the church, the people. You ever really thought about that? I know I've joked about it up here before, but like, have you met people? Is that who you would leave this mission to? This is really important stuff. This is really, what if they drop the ball, you know? And, and he says, I will be with you. He doesn't just abandon them, you know? And he does send the Holy Spirit uh, to guide them, but but the church, he leaves it to the people. I don't know, I've been, I've been going to church long enough to be kind of uncomfortable with that. Right? I think you all, many of you have been going to church long enough to be kind of uncomfortable with that. Uh, but this is what Jesus, I mean, Jesus knows better than I do. I, I'll, I'll admit that. And, and this is what Jesus does. He leaves it to his church and he says, now go 
and make disciples of all nations. This doesn't just stay here. This is not just going to be our little thing. Go and make uh, followers of Jesus from, from people from all nations and, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't just end at the end of the New Testament. So that's part of what we're doing at 1 o'clock today. We're listening to Jesus. Jesus is a command to the whole church, including us. Uh, and Jesus wants us to point people towards him. He wants people to have a relationship with him, to be disciples of him. And when they do, when they follow him, when they, when they uh, become that in their own lives, he wants them to be baptized. So I think we should. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like we overcomplicate some of this kind of stuff, right? I mean, Jesus tells us to, so we should probably do it. And how will we do it? We will do it later on, and I will say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I now baptize you. Uh, because Jesus said to. Now in, in the book of Galatians, Paul uh, breaks it down a little more, a little more what's going on here. And this was read for you earlier. So this is Galatians 3, 26 through 29. He says, So in Christ Jesus you, have all, or you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Clothed in Christ. This is it's beautiful imagery. So, so what's going on here is, is I, I don't know how aware you all are, but you're all sinful human beings. Sorry to break it to you. Hope I didn't shatter your, your Sunday morning. Uh, you do things, I do things, every, each and every day that separate us from God. Things that are contrary to God's will, things that we do, things that we think, ways that we behave, uh, ways we treat other people. Uh, we all do. And, and God would be justified in looking at us and, and seeing those things. God is a holy God. And, and God, God, has a, God can't be in relationship with, with sin, with sinful people. And we want to be in relationship with God. Right? But, but we're, we fall short daily. So what it means to be clothed in Christ is that, that Jesus lived the sinless, perfect life. So, so if you are this, if this is you, what Paul's talking about, if you are uh, one of these people who is clothed in Christ, it means when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinful self. He looks at you, and, it, and it's like you're covered with Jesus. It's a beautiful image. So he, he doesn't see uh, your sin. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see ways that, that you've journeyed away from him, whether it was a day or, or a month or a year or what feels like a lifetime. If this is you, what he sees is his own son. What he sees is, is a holy and a perfect Jesus. It's just beautiful. 
So we have John the Baptist here, and he's the forerunner of Jesus. He comes, he comes before. His role is to make uh, the people ready uh, for Jesus to come, to prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, but once Jesus comes, he establishes the church. Uh, and he kind of changes that baptism and says, now, now it's going to be about this. Now it's going to be about being in me and, and me being in you. Now it's going to be about entering this watery grave and, and realizing that, that you are not uh, doing very well as being the king of your own life. Again, hopefully I'm not breaking it to you. When we try to be the kings and queens of our own lives, we fail over and over and over and over again. Just, just everything we do, it, it, no matter if it's uh, stuff that, that we know is wrong in the moment or stuff that we think is right, but it leads to destruction. It leads to broken relationships. It leads to hurt and to pain. And, um, as, as long as we try to continue to rule... The, the further and further we get from health, uh, from, from a life with God, from, a, from wholeness. So there's this call in Scripture that we are actually to step aside and realize that Jesus is supposed to be the king of our lives. That we're not supposed to be running this anyway. That's why when the church talks about a couple things, uh, you know, and this is very popular church language, we talk about you need Jesus as your Lord, and Jesus as your Savior, right? The first part is about a Savior. The first part is, is I realize it doesn't matter how good I think I am. I need Jesus, uh, to, and, and Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that's how I can be clothed in Christ. Every, every one of my sins separates me from a holy God, and, and it's not a question of like, am I good enough? You're not good enough. That's Christianity. Some other religions around the world teach you like a certain scale. 51% good, maybe you're, maybe you're in. Um, I, I mean, I say it jokingly, but it's true. You know, and, and there's, a, there's other ones that are like two-thirds. You know, two-thirds good. The question is, how good is good enough? The Bible says every single sin separates you from God. And you've already sinned today. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> um, I know I have. <laughs> it, and so, so it's not a question of how good is good enough. It's a question of, do you have a Savior? Do you have someone uh, there? Are you clothed in Christ? In the second half, are, are you trying to be the king and queen of your own life? Are you trying to run the show? Do you think that's going to work out well for you? Has that worked out well for you so far? So when people come to this position where they say, I, I need both of those things. I need a savior. I, I, I need a new king of my life. Then we're told that all we need to do is come before God in prayer. All we need to do is invite Jesus in to be those things. And, and at that moment, something beautiful happens. So the sermon's about baptism. But what baptism is, and is, is, a, is something that looks towards another event in your life. That seems pretty clear in Scripture. Baptism doesn't 
save anyone. Um, I, think, I think many of us understand that this is not, it's not like that moment uh, you're, you're not saved and then you're baptized and then, then you are. That, that moment happens some other time. Right? We believe that moment happens, uh, but that happened at some other place. So uh, what the covenant denomination, uh, what their stance is on baptism, and it's very unique. So if the covenant's a little new to you, this is going to be really interesting. The covenant denomination, our denomination, actually fully affirms both infant baptism and believer baptism. So that's the two ways they'll describe it. So infant baptism is, you know, of course, a baby uh, and and. Uh, they're, they're baptized, and, and the parents are, are uh, often godparents. You know, they kind of come forward, and they make promises, and uh, like kind of on behalf of the baby, uh, right? So, so that has been practiced in the church for many, many, many years, and the covenant affirms that. There, there's covenant churches you know, today, I'm sure, uh, that are doing infant baptisms right now as we speak, uh, and then they also fully affirm what's called believer baptism. And most people that do believer baptism, many of them will have a baby still come forward, maybe in church, and they'll do kind of a dedication service, and, and there's no water involved, uh, but it's a lot of the same kind of language. And, um, and then late, leave, leaving room for later on, when someone has come to their own kind of understanding of faith, uh, that they can then be baptized. So the Covenant Church uh, affirms both of those, and, and here's the reason why. So way back in time, we're going we're gonna to back up like 150 years. The denomination is starting to be formed, and they're actually in Sweden. Uh, and in Sweden, they had a state church. So how a state church works, especially then, you know, it changes over time, but how it worked then was there's this state church. In the state church, um, if, if you were Swedish, you were a member of the church. That's all it took. So you're born there. Uh, you're a Swedish person. Somebody said... Uh, are you a Christian? You'd say, of course I am. I'm Swedish. I mean, I, I say it jokingly, but it's true. I mean, that's how it was thought of. Uh, it had nothing to do with your own convictions and nothing to do with your own, your own practice, your own belief. When you paid your taxes, that helped fund the church. Uh, you know, that's just how it's set up. Um, so there was this revival that kind of came through, and, and the covenant was, was a part of that, that said, you know, we don't think being Swedish is enough. It's, it's just so, it's, it's comical, right? But that's what they said. They said, we don't think being Swedish is, we think you need to like be a believer in Jesus. And then you could, then you should be able to be a member, uh, you know, of the church. So, so it's called being a believer's church. It seems so common to us that, that the idea that you wouldn't be, you know, it's very interesting. But uh, back then they had state churches and, you know, think about it, if, if you don't really need to be a believer, where does that stop on the church hierarchy? What about, what about your pastor? What, what about their, you know, what about like the bishop or, you know, something, something higher and higher and higher? Because that's what started to happen. You know, I mean, these are, they're almost like political positions. So this person's the pastor of this big church in this big city because they're so-and-so's nephew, not, not because they're following Jesus. It's, it's a really interesting concept. So out of that setting, our denomination found its roots. And, and they were concerned that the church over so many years had split over so many different things. And as they looked at it, they said, you know, there's really 
serious Christians, really serious Christians that baptize infants. And there's really serious Christians that, that don't and, and do believer's baptism. And, and they said, what does it take to be a member of our church? This is where the question comes. What does it take? Is that, do we draw a line there? Do we divide over this? And we say, well, we're going to have this church, and you believe your own thing, then we're going to have that one. And the covenant church early on said, that we don't feel like that's right. We don't feel like this should be one of those things that we split over. We want to be, uh, as it says in Psalms, we want to be uh, friends of all those who fear God. We, we want to walk uh, with all those that, that seek after God. Now what's interesting with this is it's not like, when I first heard about this, so I, I wasn't born and raised covenant. This is, uh, I don't know, a dozen or so years ago that I was exploring this more and I, and I thought to myself, I'm like, does that mean they're like wishy-washy? What, if it kind of feels like that, like, does it mean it doesn't matter? Does it mean they don't care? Is that really what they're saying? And, and as I dove into it, it's like, no, that's not what they're saying. They're saying that it really matters, but who gets to decide? That's actually what, what it goes down to. Who gets to decide? So uh, in the covenant, evangelical covenant church denomination, what they decided was that decision comes down to the family unit. That, that, that decision on how do we understand scripture, are we uh, baptizing infants, are we, are we doing like the dedication thing and baptizing adults, that that actually doesn't come down to the church level, uh, it doesn't come down to the pastor's own thoughts, uh, it doesn't come down to, to any of these things. What it comes down to is the individual family. So you're not required to believe anything. Hopefully that's good news. I don't know. You're not the only person that's required to do stuff that, that's a little uh, uh, interesting is actually pastors. So it's just, uh, and what the denomination requires is that I'm willing to do either one of those baptisms. That I will actually kind of set aside my own theology and, and I will uh, do the theology of the, of the family unit that wants to do it. So um, you can believe one way or the other. This isn't saying, like, don't, don't have an opinion on this. Uh, don't, don't believe that one is right and you're not sure about the other one. No, you get, everyone gets to. It's just don't split over it. Don't, don't separate yourselves into, into little groups of, of Christians and say, we're the ones that think we're right. And, and this other group says, we're the ones that think we're right, and then we won't meet together. Anyone known Christians to do that? <laughs> Right? That's what they're fighting. That's what's happening. With 150 years ago or so when this was happening, the, the church is splitting in a million directions. And it's, there's people that it's breaking their heart. And, and it breaks our hearts today, I hope, that we see churches split in a million different directions. So just a quick invitation. After the service today, 1 o'clock, uh, we'll go to White Pines. Uh, you saw several people come forward uh, who are getting baptized today. They don't have to be it. So if, so if you've never been baptized, you want to be baptized, uh, this is a new, a new thing to you, you haven't done it, uh, but you say, yes, Jesus is my Savior. Uh, yes, he's, he's the Lord of my, of my life. Um, this can be for you. I, it would be really great. 
So, so just come to me uh, after the service or come right out to the baptism service, uh, whichever one. If you need to just wait till one o'clock to decide, uh, <laughs> uh, come out. It'll be, uh, it'll be great. And uh, the other thing that is an option, if, if this is you, maybe you've been baptized, uh, you look at that, you say, that was my baptism, I, I believe uh, that it was, regardless of what age uh, you are, but you may be one of those people that you kind of wandered away from God for a while in your life. We know this happens, right? Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I think all of us would raise our hands. Um, that you've kind of wandered away from God at some point, uh, but you want to like reaffirm that. You want to say, I'm, I'm with God again. I'm, I'm walking with him. Um, if, if you can look back in time and say, yes, I was baptized, but, but I want this to be, um, I want to make this public confession that I'm doing this again. Uh, there is an option called a reaffirmation of baptism, and it's basically the same thing. Uh, really, functionally speaking, there's, there's not the water part, because <laughs> you already did that. Uh, but it's the, it's the same uh, stuff forward. It's, it's the same uh, commitments you make. And that, it, that's also an option. You can do that today at 1 o'clock too. So if that is also you, uh, please be aware of that. But uh, it's just a beautiful time as a church. Uh, if you have any questions on this stuff, I, I, I think the covenant stuff on baptism is fascinating. So if you want to talk about it, uh, I'll talk your ear off. Um, but why don't we pray and then we'll, uh, we'll sing another song. Here.